With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk <clears throat> Recorded live. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ, The Planet, every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time broadcast out of the beautiful Monticello, Maine in Arista County. It's also heard on ipmnation.org Saturday afternoons at 1.30 p.m. It's a rebroadcast of the previous show. And that's an online 24-hour news source based out of Concord, New Hampshire. And I just realized, I just learned recently that WBCQ is available in tunein.com and it's been available for quite a long time. So if you go to tunein.com and punch in a, where it says search, you punch in WBCQ, you can listen to the programming on, I think, both all three bands, AM, FM, and the shortwave, several shortwave bands I have there. So I'm uh, glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Uh, before, uh, we do have a guest, uh, hoping that he'll be calling in in a few minutes, would be Pastor Bruce Wall. But um, before that, I just want to mention our camp, summer camp coming up in uh, July 2nd to the 9th, and we've been... Uh, we've just been making plans to have a great camp this year. Well, every year it's a great camp, but we have some instructors, uh, guest instructors for the first time, as well as some of them have been back for the last several years. And uh, we're busy with that and getting some great response from people. You can go to our website to learn more about the camp and uh, <coughs> uh, www.campconstitution.net, and there'll be all kinds of great information about the camp. You can visit our YouTube channel. And we advocate or suggest that you subscribe to it. The YouTube channel um, has a lot of our activities throughout the year, and also at the camp itself, uh, you can do a a, um, a playlist and see what we did last year, and classes, and the recreational activities, and the historic sites, etc. And um, <clears throat> we also have the applications all available for download and. Um, we also tell people that we've never turned away a worthy camper or family for lack of funds, and we hope that we don't have to start to do that. Um, I also want to just encourage you to visit our Sam Blumenfeld archive. Sam was a pioneer in the homeschool movement, and he had quite a uh, quite a great uh, ministry. And when he passed away, he left us his library, and we created the archives, and we just got word that I think March was the most views, and we got about 100, 180,000 visits on the website. And in the last several year, uh, several months, over 20,000 downloads, mainly of his great Alpha Phonics book. Well, I think uh, Pastor Bruce Wall is on the line. Are you there, Pastor? Yes, I am. I am here. Well, I want, I'm glad you're on there. And by the way, I don't know if you knew of Sam Blumenfeld, but he was very uh, active with uh, the White House in Roxbury. They they use his alpha phonics and I got a chance to meet some of the good people there prior to his passing. So, um, well, um, instead of me giving you a long, uh, giving the listeners a long introduction, why don't you just tell people a little about, about your background? I know you're born and raised in Boston and you've been a pastor for many years. So just uh, give a, the listeners a little biographical sketch of yourself. 
Well, I have, as you just indicated, born and raised in Boston, pastored for 24 years, still pastoring the same church after 24 years, Global Ministries Christian Church in Dorchester. I am a retired clerk magistrate for 26 years at the Boston Juvenile Court in downtown Boston, and I am a founder of Boston's first gospel FCC-approved gospel radio and television station. What's the call signals there so people can, um, and also any kind of information people may want to learn more about your church if they live in the area or like to visit, and also I think you live stream too, don't you, so they can get your your radio, your shows, and et cetera, online as well. Right. So we the call letters for the FM station is WBPGLP, 102.9 102.9 FM radio. Uh, our webpage, which has all our information, is www.bostonpraiseradio.tv. www.bostonpraiseradio.tv. And the church address is 670 Washington Street in Dorchester, Mass., zip code 02124. And that's right in Codman Square. Right in the Cardinal Square, right in the Boston city of Boston. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, you've been, uh, of course, you're pretty well known, not just in the inner city, but I'd say all over the state of Greater Boston. You've had a a great ministry dealing with uh, gangs and helping those with addiction problems. And um, I know you know my good friend Dr. Kishore, who's been quite an asset in that regard. But uh, lately, uh, there was a, what really got my attention, and you inv- invited me to participate, and I'm very pleased that you did, the uh, Save Our Parking Lot or Save Our Lot campaign. So tell the listeners a little bit of background about this lot. And you know what's interesting? Uh, you think, well, what's a little parking lot in one little neighborhood in an awful big country? But, uh, folks, this I know this show is broadcast all over the world, and people can say, hey, that's happening in my neighborhood. I don't care what country you're in or what state you're in. These things are happening all over the place. So, right, if you could. Right. Well, the the issue, as you say, is larger than just a parking lot. But there's a parking lot that accommodates 50 automobiles across the street from the church. And many years ago, when I first came, it was an abandoned lot that had the frame of a store, and also it had a house, an unoccupied house on the lot. The drug dealers would use the house and that area to sell their drugs and run from one corner to the next. And we were actively fighting 10 blocks around our church. We said 10 blocks around our church would be gang, drug, and crime-free. So we took that project on. A person was killed in the abandoned house, and I began to work with Mayor Menino, and he basically gave our church site control of that property for well over 20 years. And we are to maintain it, to insure it, and just to uh, make sure that the cars that are parking on the lot, everyone's doing the right thing. And so when the now, city... Now, did you folks, did you, that was your fence you put around the lot? No, it's not our fence. The fence around the lot is something that the city did. The city has been putting fences around, and, and, and about over the 20 years, whenever the fences are busted, the car backs into it, whatever, we talk to the city, they come back. They've been keeping a lot up. It's 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 been out of all the lots that you see in the city of Boston, this is one of the best well kept lots, but because we're focused on it. And so we learned that 
the city wanted to um, create, have an RFP request for proposals created for that lot. There was talk about developers coming in and putting an upscale boutique or putting a uh, upscale apartments, affordable apartments, and uh, the the term affordable apartments mm-hmm. could mean many different things. It doesn't mean that it's going to be for lower income. And so we began oh, yeah, to see the, the, qu- the question is affordable for whom, you know, to whom. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the issue. And so we began to see the signs of gentrification coming to Carpenter Square, similar to the rich folk moving from the suburbs back into the city and pushing the poorer, lower people on the lower economic level, just pushing them out. And we see that happening. And so we were determined, A, we needed to keep the lot because the lack of the lot, the parking, would mean that a lot of the businesses would dry up because people wouldn't have a place to park to go patronize their businesses. The churches would have to move out because there'd be no parking for their parishioners. The agency representatives would be concerned because the people who work at the Carpenter Square Health Center and other agencies in the area would not have adequate parking. And they're putting up resident parking only signs, which means you can park for a couple hours and after that you're gonna going to have a ticket. So as we've seen in downtown Boston and lower Roxbury, now called South End, was, uh, I, when I was growing up, I didn't want to be caught in the South End by myself. And <laughs> today, people are eating their meals on the sidewalk. There's valet parking in the South End. It's a whole new area, but you do not see any people on the lower economic level living there. They're, again, they're just being pushed out, and the gentry's coming in and saying, we want to work in the city, or we already work in the city, but we're tired of traveling from the South Shore and the North Shore. We want to live right around our jobs. And so that means that if they come in, others have to go. And we're seeing churches in the South End sell their property and move out to Randolph and to Stoughton and out just completely out of Massachusetts. And so we did not want to see that happen. So it's, it's, it's not just a parking lot. It's the symbol of what the parking lot represents. Now, um, how have there been any proposals by developers to buy the lot from the city at this to, point, or is it just in the uh, the planning stage or the uh, exploratory I stage? Think, right. I think what the city does is that the city begins to have meetings with people to find out first, is there going to be any pushback? And so the city brought me in and had a meeting just with me all by myself. And I was very nice and cordial and engaging in in the meeting, and I was not a rabble-rouser in the meeting at all. When I left the meeting, I said they were feeling me out. And so I had a meeting with a group of residents, about 100 residents. Uh, We met at the church, and I told people what had happened and said they're going to be talking to a number of us. What do we want to do? And 95% of the people in that room said, we want it to remain a parking lot, but not as it is. We're all talking about upgrading the parking lot where the city comes in and puts lights in and puts the white lines and basically paves the the ground and makes sure that the snow is removed. And they've done that all around that area. And so we know that, 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 that they can do it. And so then then started the game of the city going to agency representatives or the the development corporations 
and beginning to silence them because they are dependent upon the city for funding and for a number of different things. And so the, the next thing that the city does is that it goes and it tries to neutralize agency reps and people who could be standing with the community and then the elected officials have to choose their sides. And it's my understanding that the elected officials in that area um, have not landed their plane to say, this is what they say, we support the community. Whatever the community wants, that's where we'll go. You interpret it, that, you interpret it this way. If 99% of the people want an upgraded parking lot, but three want development, they're going to say, the community wants development, we're going with those three. <laughs> yep. And I guess when this first off, the city can sell it for a, a, a whole, a nice piece of a nice chunk of change. Oh, the, and the, the second thing is they're going right. to get revenue tax base. They're probably going to put, right. I don't know how many units there. And they're looking right. at a lot of money where they sell right. it. It's just a parking lot. Uh, but the city, uh, you know, if, if it was my private lot, okay. I have, if it was a corporation, you sell it to the highest bidder, generally speaking, right. that's, Right. Uh, but right. you city, make money, it's yours. Right. Yeah, the city shouldn't be in the business of making money. They really shouldn't be in the land owning business, with some exceptions, of course. And you know, I know my take would be let them sell it to you, you folks, or create a a nonprofit entity to do it. That would be the ideal situation. And the right. city does right. that. They did that with the Boston Islamic Center, and they gave right. them quite a sweetheart deal. Why can't they give you a sweetheart deal? And, I think the money would be there too. I don't know what that lot may be worth. Do you know what it's worth uh, at this point? As far as I'm uh, hearing, I'm hearing terms that 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 we could be talking ten million dollars very easy oh, with the development oh. of that lot. And oh. so, so again, we the protest march, the protest that we had the other day was a way of ratcheting up, um, letting the city know that. We are not going away, and it, it's also neutralizing the agency heads and the CDCs because they're going to be very quiet because they don't want to get caught in the middle of the community and city hall. And we said that the next thing that we would do if the city doesn't talk with us is that we're going to bring it down to the mayor's office and to Andrea Campbell's office, who is the city council councilor for that district. And I, by the way, contrary to the uh, mis- the myth that you can indeed fight city hall, and and again, I know the you know the customs tower. I think the city of Boston bought that from the federal government for a dollar, if I'm not wow. mistaken. And wow. now it's owned by the Marriott. So somebody made a lot of money that that skyscraper was the first one in Boston. I'm sure it was worth more than a little more than a dollar. So and well, they have the federal government yeah. not in the business of uh, you know be, being real estate agents. So so okay. We'll just—it's surplus property. We'll give it to the city for for nothing, and and these right. there was a a house that was there, and then there was a business. These were privately owned, no doubt. The owners foreclosed, and now it becomes the city's property. It's not like the city's losing ten million dollars on the deal if they give it to you or you know sell it to a uh, a, a not for profit or something, or even give it let the church take it. But there's no way you can be a church. Or, I don't think there are too many churches. Uh, you know, you're just uh, you're independent. You're an independent church. You're not affiliated with any other churches. Of, uh, right, right, right. Most of the, you know, most of the yeah, most of the churches in the area do not have that type of finances. Most churches in that area have about a hundred or sixty members, and they're basically just hanging on. None of us enough. have 
the financial resources. Our church is debt-free because I, I have been very careful about taking loans out and do, doing the kinds of things that could bankrupt the church. So we do not have those that, that kind of money. I, but I also know that the city could, because the city years ago under Mayor Menino, the city was talking about uh, leasing it to us for um, a dollar a year for 99 years. They can oh, create wow. whatever sweetheart deals that they want to make. They can do anything they want to they do. Um, the problem here is um, I, as an individual, um, I'm not going to be purchased. I'm not going to be bought by a piece of property. So I'm not in, in a situation where they'll say, I will give you the property and you just be nice to all of us downtown Boston. Right. I, I, I can't live that way. No, no, that's I'm right. Going to, I'm going to call things what they are and stand up for the community. And so, again, we do not know where this is going. I did have a meeting with the Boston Transportation Department on Friday to engage them, and I'm having a meeting on Monday with the Department of Neighborhood Development. They're the ones who have custody of the property. So the Department of Neighborhood Development could transfer the property to the Boston Transportation Department because DND, Department mm-hmm. of Neighborhood Development, their role is to sell properties, to get rid of it, is to develop it. So if it stays with them, it has to be developed. If it goes to the Boston Transportation Department, they can create the municipal parking lot and, and it will be a sweetheart deal for the community. And this is something, you know, I noticed, though, uh, when I was uh, on Washington Street, they have the bike paths. I, you know, you know, that's probably been there the last couple of years. And yep, yep. I, don't, I don't remember one bike going by me that hour and a half I was there. Not one bike. And it's, we, uh, you're not going to see many. We don't see many bikes. Um, no. A little laughing at the bike lanes as well. And uh, so it's almost as if the city, the city is adopting these policies to discourage Car, car travel. You see it in Manhattan. Correct. You see it in really much all over many big cities and even mid-sized cities. Boston is you know, not too big compared to New York, Chicago, but you know bigger than Portland, Maine. But you see that, and it's almost as if the policies we don't want people driving. Now, I'm sure many of your uh, members walk to church. Many of them, uh, but some of them are driving. And you know, let's face it, you have a family. You're not going to hop on a bus. Uh, it's not always convenient to do that. And the bus schedules are ten. You know, and if you're there late at night or what have you, it just it makes life much easier. And well, the policies, yeah. Uh, yeah, the policies are to get people off the bikes, uh, I mean, out of the cars and into bikes and what have you. I can't imagine my whole family biking to church. Now we go to church. It used to be two miles away, a mile and a half. Now it's they moved to Canton. Now we got to go to Canton. You know, I'm not going right. to ride a bike to Canton. It's not happening. And, uh, right. they, and that's why right. they lowered the, yeah they lowered the speed limits too because people are getting clipped as more people are riding bikes. And I've got nothing, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you don't either, have nothing against riding bikes. But, I mean, you live in the Hyde Park section. I live in West Rock. You're going to ride a bike to, from Hyde Park to Dorchester? You know, probably well, not. not only, <laughs> but it's not only that. It's that, again, a lot of the members who used to be, we used to be a, a local church where most of the members lived around the church. That's changed. A lot of our members have been relocated to Randolph, in Brockton, and so there, there are a lot of our folk on the South Shore, and so they have to come in by way of car. It, it, people are not going to be doing that in the cold, 
coming to church on Sunday mornings uh, on a bus. That doesn't end. That doesn't. It doesn't that happen. doesn't work. And you know, it's interesting. You grew up growing up in Boston, and I grew up in Boston, and still live in Boston, and I lived in Hyde Park most of my life. And where I am now, I'm in a family, uh, my the house that my wife uh, grew up in. There's no way that we could afford to live here if it weren't for the fact that my mother-in-law bought this house in the 70s. <clears throat> the rent around here is, I can't understand, unless you're a, and there's professional people moving in, and that's all good, it's vibrant now, but the people aren't making that kind of money where they go. And it's, and I had to say, you see the same problem in cities like San Francisco, New York, you just can't afford to live in the neighborhood you grow up. And even in South Boston, you know, South Boston, I haven't been to Amrine's restaurant in, in about 20 years. And I went there recently, and it looked like a yuppie fern bar. I said, my goodness, right? Japanese right. sushi. I said, this is not the South Boston that was, you know, 20 years ago. I mean, and, and from your percent, your church, the value of your, the property of church would go up if they built this. Yeah. Uh, this, But that's not what it's about. And I'm sure some of the people who own their own homes and what, by the way, do you know the percentage of homeowners in your particular section of Boston? I know it's probably hard to say. I don't, I don't have those stats, but I can tell you this, that if you're standing in front of the church and looking across the street, um, a lot of the people, that's mixed uh, apartments and individual homes on Torrey Street and on Oakwood Street. But if you behind the church is what we call Ashmont Hill. And Ashmont Hill is the more affluent section of Carpenter Square where everybody gets homes and their homes. Oh, it's their homes. So, and you, for example, my my father bought a house in Hyde Park, uh, $17,000 back in 71 wow. to 72. You can't have wow. your wall, you can't have your, your, your uh, house painted for that price anymore. So the wow. value, and, and it's a good yeah. thing in some respects, but it prices yeah. people out, you know, and, and and you know, go, and then you have again. You tr- and it's not very, it's not very environmentally friendly when the people of lower incomes have to move to Brockton and Randolph and other places like. Then they have to work in the city, so they're coming in, they're commuting in. I mean, that's that sort of defeats the purpose of this, you know, to some extent. Right. Well, there's another piece to this too. So when you have crime out of control in Roxbury, Dorchester, and Manapan, the housing prices plummet they go down and people want people who are afraid sell their houses at a lower value when the gentry comes in and the police decide to move the crime from those areas then the property values go up and that's what happened in the south end so people are selling their houses their brownstones for twenty thousand for fifteen thousand And the, the housing stock went down, the crime, people didn't want to live there. The, the gentry came in, purchased the property, the police put the, the protection and the uh, public safety issue changed there. And now that stuff is worth, worth those places are worth, worth five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars. Same's going to happen here. People are selling their homes for less money, running out of the community because of the crime. And when the gentry comes in, it will all change. You know, I uh, I drive through Boylston Street by Fenway Park, and I remember as a young boy, you know, most of the homes were brownstones, and uh, now it looks like Midtown Manhattan. It's unbelievable. Yes, you've got these yes, twenty-story. So again, I like the idea of some development, 
And I'm not in favor of, you know, clamping down on people who want to, you know, make money. I think it's a good thing. But I'm looking at the character. It's a different. It's no longer a neighborhood. You've got these right. huge high rises. And in Westwood, Massachusetts, they like to center these things around commuter rail stations. They got a little village there. And it just strikes me as so sterile. You know, there's no consensus of neighborhood. There's no people don't know. You don't know the local policeman. You don't know that you, you hop on the commuter rail. You come back, you, all the shops are there, the grocery stores there. You don't really have to know anybody. And I think, is this the future of our nation? Is this, the, is this really what we want? You know, these, well, these if, kinds of... If you look at the commuter rail uh, by um, Talbot Avenue and, and Manipan, I was downtown one day and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to church. So let me get on a get on the new commuter rail, get off the top of that, and just walk up. So I went down, and I said, gee, there's nobody here. I'm the only one here standing. Maybe I missed the the train. Maybe the train just came by and picked up anybody. And so I looked at the schedule. It ran every four hours. So I said to myself. That's very convenient. I said to myself, this is crazy. But it's it's because the commuter rail is not being built for the people who live in the area now. It's being built for those people who will live in the area um, in ten years from now. So again, no, that's and down point. the street, da- and down the street on Dunbar and Washington Street, two blocks going south, two blocks from the church, there's another another vacant lot that the city has taken taken over, and they're building, quote unquote, uh, the developers building affordable housing. Now we didn't say anything about that. We allow that to happen, and so so there are two major lots. One, the city sold it. It's being developed. Good for them. Now, you take one, let the community take one. It's not that mm-hmm. we're anti-development. You are developing. Two blocks down the street, you are putting apartments. Two blocks down the street. Now, give us this one. Well, let me ask you. I, I, real, I, I, I want to be involved as much as I can. Uh, you know, if there's any hearings, please, uh, you know, I, I goes, I'm, you know, I'm in touch with you. Uh, if listeners want to and again, you say a one little parking lot in one little neighborhood, but it really it's it's a national issue. It's, I'm sure people listening to this say, yeah, it's same things happening here, and it's not necessarily inner cities too. It's suburban towns that are mm-hmm. facing this. You know, here in West Roxbury, you know, it's one of the more nicer neighborhoods. Quotation marks. They're doing the same thing here. You see these housing, these developments, what used to be maybe a one or two story building, a, a apartment, or the store. Now it's five or six stories. Just around the corner from us used to be a Knights of Columbus. They they yeah. moved out. They saw, and now you've got I think twenty twenty five units. So parking is very challenging. Thankfully, we have a parking lot, but a lot of people don't, and the quality of life does uh, does diminish a little bit when, when this happens. And they're you know nice apartments. I don't know what they're getting for them, and it's a two minute walk to the commuter rail. So it seems to be when it comes to getting building permits, if you're within a Within a five-minute walk from the commuter rail, you've got some golden property there, you know. And uh, right. but I, I couldn't, I could not see myself living in the South End, pulling up at nine or ten o'clock at night, and try, you, you cannot find a parking spot no. in front of your house. You can't. No. And some of the places that they're building, it costs you twenty-five, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year to buy a parking spot. It's amazing. <laughs> Again, if you're making uh, you know six uh, high end of six digits, it's no big deal. Like I have a friend in Manhattan, upper she's on the Upper East Side, and she said the, it, she's a little well to do, I guess. So she said like her parking spot like fifty thousand a year. I says fifty thousand. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's 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 a little about, about what I make before taxes. I don't know how you can do right. it, you know. So right. So um, so again, uh, give us your. Oh, by the way, I want to mention you have a church. I mean, a church, a school out of your church too. Right now, the school isn't our school. It's the Cross Factor Academy. It's a school that came to us and they oh. needed a site, and we. Um, allow them to to use our church. It's been a three year relationship, and it's great having them there. And it, they they've created a vision. I've always wanted to have our church. Has always wanted to have a school, but we could not um, to step into that for many reasons. So that's why we were open to letting somebody else come in and do it. Well, I'm I'm glad to see that. And by the way, you have a beautiful church building. I and a great history. When you go, I visit your website, and you pay respect to the history of that building. You know what went on there before, and I think I think it's wonderful. And uh, so again, uh, your know, information, contact information, if people like to uh, learn more about this issue, I mm-hmm. think your Facebook page is probably the best place to go. Right, Facebook. We have most mostly everything on Facebook. We're not putting much of this on the church's webpage at all, but it's on their Facebook. Uh, it's at uh, Pastor Bruce Wall is on Facebook. And you actually had a number of people that spoke at the rally. Uh, right, uh, Reverend Reverend was it Reverend Ron Bell or Pastor Ron Bell? Right, it's a as uh, Elder Ron Bell. We also had Minister Priscilla Flint Banks, and we have Evangelist Mary Franklin, who happens to be running for mayor. And so, yeah, we had a we have a number of people that are coming in, and the radio our radio station has helped us. It's given us the vehicle to be able to communicate. Plus, we do a lot of YouTube videos, and we send them. We every broadcast is recorded on and sent up to YouTube, so people can always go back and take a look at them. And we send the links out to our mailing list, and we send the links out on Facebook and Twitter. We're broadcasting on Facebook and Twitter and Periscope and TuneIn and Shoutcast and Audio Now. Twenty six different platforms we're broadcasting on right now. So we're getting how the information we, out. How do we survive without social media? Before I mean, it was just a ten cents and a payphone and an envelope. <laughs> well, there's well something else. I said to I said to somebody the other day, years ago, when I sent out a press release, I had to get in my car and drive to every single television station to deliver the press release. And drop them off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pastor Bruce, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. And, uh, folks, thank you for listening. You've been listening to w, uh, Camp Constitution Radio on WBCQ The Planet. Until next week, God bless. Bye-bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.